0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Jeffrey Lyons, Ph.D., is a graduate of the University of Hawaii and Regent University. Now, he earned a Ph.D. in communication. He has taught at Hawaii Pacific University, Argosy University, Honolulu, and Honolulu Community College. He's published articles in the Global Media Journal, Journal of Radio and Audio Media, and the Hawaiian Journal of History. Jeffrey, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir?
1: Thank you very much, George. It's a pleasure to be talking to you this evening.
0: I assume you're on the island of Oahu.
1: I am on the island of Oahu, where it's been a chilly 59 degrees.
0: You know, after spending nine years years in the Navy, (laughs) uh, I went out there once and flew over Pearl Harbor, it was the eeriest feeling, Jeffrey, because you look at it from a plane, and it looks so small when you're looking down on it, and then you realize World War II started here for us. It, 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 it's, it's strange. It's got that different feeling, doesn't it?
1: It, it, it did. It started here. My next-door neighbor was a child. He saw it. My father was a child. He saw it. So it's still very real to uh, people here in Hawaii.
0: All right, tell us a little bit more about yourself, other than what uh, I read on the bio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I, I grew up in Hawaii, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the University of Hawaii when I was studying there. Um, I actually wrote a paper. I was a little bit uh, critical of evolution, and the, yeah, I, I read a book um, for extra credit, and um, the teacher said, well, <clears throat> I give you credit for reading the book. um uh, he's, but I don't agree with any any of your arguments, so um, that was fine. So, But many years later, I got my Ph.D., and I taught uh, for a number of years, and it took a while to even get some tools together, research tools, to dig into the theory of evolution. And, and I, I suspected there were pro- problems with it, and uh, as, as I did the research, it took about seven years, I found out, yeah, there's a lot of problems with it.
0: Now, my undergrad is in Broadcast Communications, University of Detroit. You're, you've you got a Ph.D. in communications. I assume it's pretty similar. I mean, you went down a, a media-type background, didn't you?
1: Well, I did go down a media-type background, and actually my, my uh, Ph.D. research was in talk radio. How about that?
0: How about that, <laughs> indeed.
1: <laughs> but I studied political talk radio, um, studied... Uh, now, a number of years ago, back in 2008, and I've always been fascinated with talk radio and a uh, big fan of your program.
0: Did you write a thesis on uh, people like our friend Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and folks like that?
1: No, no. I, I uh, actually just researched conservative talk radio in general. Sean was in that bunch, and then uh, what I call liberal talk radio, and, and then Air America uh Franken was in that bunch yeah and so, uh, I, I was trying to find out if there was clear differences between the audiences yeah. we're
0: going through some strange times politically these days aren't we My yeah
1: God. we are but I mean it, I mean evolution it, it's 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 there too and it's funny cause it's almost political on the on the university campus oh it's
0: huge that you're right
1: it's huge it's huge so i mean what i found when i dug into it was that there's two conversations going on it, it's kind of like um <clears throat> uh, remember in um the wizard of oz at the end of the movie where they peel back the curtain and um you got the wizard there and There
0: he is behind that little di- little guy that yeah, you yeah. imagined it was going to be something huge
1: he, yeah. he's back there and you don't pay attention to the guy behind the curtain well, what i'm finding out is there's really two conversations going on there's a conversation going on uh to the public but behind the curtain there's a lot of scientists that are um questioning evolution and they are um not agreeing with uh, much of uh, you know what we think about as evolutionary theory and that's what my book is about it's it's all about um the scientists themselves that are saying, uh, you know, it's a little shaky here.
0: How did you pick the topic because it's different than your background?
1: Um, I, that's a great question. It's, it's a perfect question. And, and the reason is because, and what I argue on the, on, in my book is that evolution has become a meta-theory. What, and what I mean by that, it's, it's a theory of theories. So it uh, it touches everything. It touches biology, natural sciences, but then it spills over into the social sciences where I am. And there's even theories of um, you know how language first came to, about. Nobody knows, but evolution is there too. So evolution does touch the field of communication where I am. So I kind of figure, well, okay, if you're going to step in my territory, then um, you know, I I, I get to uh, (laughs) take a shot.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's get into some of the things in the book, of course. Evolution, Myths, A Critical View of Neo-Darwinism. Let's talk about the Darwin theory first of all, Jeffrey, if you could give us an overview.
1: Yeah, well, um, Darwin's original theory was called Descent with Modification. Kind of a, uh, not a very interesting phrase. But, um, Interesting enough that he never even used the word evolution until the sixth edition of his book on the origin of species. So Darwin was trying to say that um, uh, species are modified over time, and so they descend one from another, and then they're modified, and then you have change. But what happened was... mm, a fellow called Herbert Spencer, who was a philosopher, he came along, and he pushed this word evolution, and it was basically an unscientific term. Um, today, we all use the word evolution, but Darwin, Darwin couldn't stand the term, and he criticizes it heavily um, in his autobiography. Hmm. Yeah.
0: yet he's the one who they say coined the phrase
1: that's right he never coined the phrase yeah um, and so my book huh. I dig, I dig out you know the, the criticisms and uh, I mean here here's I'm, I'm reading straight from Darwin and I won't read much because I know it's a conversation but he says um, uh, I dare say that a philosophical point of view or such nature that they do not seem to be Of any scientific use, he's talking about um, Spencer's writings on evolution. And he says they don't aid one in predicting what will happen in any particular case. So he criticizes um, Spencer because Spencer came out with this theory that just sort of assumed um, that uh, evolution was true. He called it the law of evolution. Uh, but he didn't use a scientific um, uh, methodology. I mean, uh, people that study science are big into experimentation and prediction. Spencer used no experimentation or prediction whatsoever.
0: Interesting. Now, here's the theory of part of your book's title, which is Evolution Myths, A Critical View of Neo-Darwinism. Right they say a, Darwin is, neo-Darwinism is a theory of evolution that is a synthesis of Darwin's theory in terms of natural selection and modern population genetics. Now, what does that all mean?
1: Well, it is a mouthful, but um, you know, I looked at a lot of different books. Donald Prothro has a book, and he, he's an evolutionary biologist. It's called Evolution, What the Fossils Say and Why It Matters. And what Prothero points out was that evolution was in big trouble in the early 1900s. It almost got thrown out the window completely. And the problem was uh, they discovered Mendel's research. He's the monk that did all this research with uh, genetics, and he he pollinated, cross-pollinated peas. I don't know if you remember that.
0: I do remember that.
1: Yeah, so that was Mendel, and he was a monk, and he was doing his thing. And actually, his research almost got lost, but it got published... And uh, then they looked at it, and it didn't line up with Darwin's theory at all. So, to make a long story short, the way they rescued Darwinism was there were some mathematicians that came up with something called population genetics. And um, they said, well, you know, how can we figure this thing out and rescue Darwin? And they did it with math. They came up with models, and... um, That rescued it, and so this new version of Darwin's theory um, became known as Neo-Darwinism.
0: Jeffrey, are you saying that there's a God factor here?
1: Well, the thing is, um, evolution has become a theory of origin, and I think it's really um, something that Darwin never initially intended, but... um, when you get into the research and for example um if you look at um uh the co-discoverer of dna francis crick yep. crick says that there's no way that dna could ever come about by chance i mean this, this is, and he's an atheist so uh crick is saying well um, we got to come up with some other explanation. So, of course, for uh, people that are people of faith, they're going to say, well, it's God. For Crick, who was not a, um, uh, a person of faith, Crick said, well, maybe it's some force outside of nature. And so he pushed panspermia, um, a topic which I know is discussed on your program quite frequently. Yep.
0: And panspermia, of course, is a theory that life exists and is distributed throughout the universe in the form of uh, fungi, spores, germs that comes on meteors, asteroids, you name it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Crick's got a book out called Life Itself, Its Origin in Nature. Crick passed away, but it has got a picture of Earth on the cover and a little spaceship that circled around and then hit the Earth. So he push the theory that life was put on some kind of spaceship and
0: Well, that's possible. Yeah. You know, we may be seated. There are some that say we are from other races throughout the universe that came here and basically genetically altered whatever species might have been on the planet at the time. That's very possible.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's all very interesting because I don't think Darwin ever anticipated originally that his theory would go so wide. And and become this meta theory, theories of theories, um, a, a theory of origins. But it's partly because of Herbert Spencer, because Herbert Spencer just opened up a <laughs> opened up a whole can of opportunity <laughs> hmm. outside of biology. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll always remember the so-called Darwin picture of fish, sea life. And then they have legs, they're walking on the beach, and then they become, you know, uh, uh, like like a different kind of an animal with four legs, yeah. and they just keep going higher and higher until they become man. And you look at it chronologically, and you go, well, that looks interesting, but did it really happen that way?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up, the fish and the sea life and the growing legs. I mean, there's a peculiar case of a fish called the celicamp I don't I don't know if you've heard of that I either.
0: haven't no um
1: it, it's spelled really oddly c o e um I got to look it up again even it's it's just you wouldn't expect it but that's how you pronounce it ants. but um they they thought it was extinct and, and this was in the early 191900s and uh they uh said this is this creature which is in fossils it's in fossils they said this is this fish grew legs and it came on land well that worked out pretty well into 1938 when they found the fish alive <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and it all changed
1: <laughs> and it all changed yeah. yeah so yeah those diagrams um don't always work out um even the even that diagram they call the tree of life, mm-hmm. uh, phylogeny, um, Ernst Mayer, who is another prominent evolutionary uh, biologist, I, I believe he's since passed away, he wrote a book uh, about uh, evolution, what it is, and he says that, that tree that you see, the tree of life, you know, the fish at the bottom and they get more complex, you've probably seen it in biology textbooks, What? Yep. He, Mayer mayor says it's inferred. In other words, it's not supported by any scientific evidence. They just guess.
0: Why is the topic, Jeffrey, so hot and heated?
1: That's a perfect question. It is very hot and heated because what's happening, you know, as we open up in the beginning, is you've got two conversations. You've got one in front of the curtain and one behind the curtain. In front of the curtain is what students hear in the classroom, and in the, the, the um, high school classroom, the university classroom. The other is what's going on behind the curtain. Um, I just found, and I didn't put this in my book, but um, on the Internet you can find a petition of scientific dissent from Darwinism. And it's on, uh, uh, if you can find it on the Internet, And it says, we are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. And over 500 scientists have signed this thing. It's at uh, descentfromdarwin.org. I don't have anything to do with this organization. I just found it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wish I found it earlier. I would have put it in my book, but... Um, so what you've got is, you know, behind the curtain, you got a lot of scientists that are saying, we don't really think this thing adds up. And in chapter after chapter in my book, I lay out what these people, what they're publishing. Um, I've, I've got all kinds of evidence to share. And it comes from scientists. Um, and uh, that uh, it's, really, it's really in bad shape.